in one mind, in one accord, in the bond of love. And I promise you, you can do a lot of things with love. And love can go a lot further than anything else. And I tell you, when we unite ourselves together, God is there with us in the midst. And I thank God today that he is with us today. This is our Thanksgiving season. It will soon be Thanksgiving. We're going to be celebrating with uh, family and friends and all of that's going to come into to play. But let us read as we begin today in Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. You may be seated across the building today. <clears throat> it is good that we can come together once again as a body of believers and that we can uh, trust the Lord through everything that he has done for us and what he's going to continue to do. And so <clears throat> my message today is this. I want to bring out a Thanksgiving uh, message today, a word of encouragement to encourage you along the way as we get into God's word today. If you have your Bibles, hold that up high. <coughs> That's the sword of the Spirit. I know it's going to be projected on the screen. We want to thank those for watching today. Again, my prayer is that I want to say something to you to encourage you and your family uh, along the way because if you ever, if there's ever a time that we live, which is now, we need all the encouragement that we can get and we need all of what God is wanting to give to us and we want to receive everything that God is want to, to give to us. And so we want to look a little bit here as time will permit. If you will go with me into the New Testament, the first Timothy, the sixth chapter beginning with the sixth verse. <clears throat> first Timothy 6 and 6. And we want to look at that a little bit today. And the title of my message today is this, The Secret of Contentment. The Secret of Contentment. We're going to look at that word today, The Secret of Contentment. And we want to look at this today, 1 Timothy 6 and 6. And when you get there, just say amen. All right, let's look at this. Now... Godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at this with me a little bit. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to look at this passage here clearly because godliness means it is an act of love. It is an act of commitment it is an act of doing when we see the word godliness of religious works or acts that you may do the commitment that you may have and with that commitment with the Lord then it brings contentment as becomes great gain to you day in and day out but you've got to be committed 
to the Lord. There's where godliness comes in. That you are committed to God and saying, God, I trust you in anything and everything that I do. Therefore, when we trust in God, then contentment comes in within our hearts and lives and we are now in content to where we can say I am fine with whatever goes on in my life I'm fine with whatever uh, I deal with in life I'm fine should I go through hard knocks I know that God will supply my needs and therefore I'm going to be content in all things I want you to know today that the whole world even seeks contentment. Some hope to gain contentment through wealth or success. Some will hope to gain through contentment through personal achievements. And many wealthy, successful, and honored people are still not content today. Let me say it again. There are many wealthy, successful, honored people are still not content because there's still something there that is a void in their life and in our natural ability that we have, in our minds that we have, we're always wanting more. If you got a million, you'll want two million. If you got two million, you'll want three million. If you got a house, you want another house. If you got a car, you want another car. If you got this, you want that. In our minds, that's what's been driven in our hearts that we're always wanting more, but we're never, we're never content with what we have because we're driving ourselves to wanting more, to think that's going to help us, that's, that's going to bring pleasure to us, and that's going to fill that void, but it's still a void there. But when you add the godliness by saying, Lord, I commit myself to then guess what? Contentment begins to reign in your hearts and your lives, and therefore God continues to bless you as you move forward in your faith in Christ Jesus. We are in the world, but not of the world. We're not driven by the world, but what we're driven about is about God's love and that God wants to give us exactly what we need, not so much of what we want. And we live in that world that I want more. I want more. You know, uh, it's amazing to me and I've never played it, and I don't like it, but people will play the lottery. And they will spend money. They'll spend their paycheck. They'll spend it over and over, even to the scratch-offs. And folks, here is the thing. Just give me your money. I'll invest it for you, and I promise you, you'll gain more money than to play the lottery. Because the lottery is nothing but a big hole because it seems like people in California is getting all the millions. It seems like people in, in Las Vegas is getting all the millions. But you can play the lottery all that you want, but folks, the lottery is not the answer. 
Wealth is not the answer. Yes, there's people that are wealthy, and God blesses them, and that's great. But it, wealth is not in the blessings. The, having things is not in the blessings. Uh, achieving things like that is not in the blessing. What is in the blessing is to be content with who you are right now and be content with what you have. You say, well, I've got to keep well, they're better than I am. Well, look at me, I'm struggling. Be content in your struggle because God, when you're committed to Him, He will supply your needs according to the riches and glory, and He will take care of you, and there will be, the Scripture says, great gain. I want you to look at this. Listen, a thankful heart is the key to contentment. Thankful people have discovered how to be content. Why thankful people are content? Let me give you a few, few points here today. First, thankful people rejoice in what they have. Thankful people rejoice in what they have. Being content with such things as you have. Hebrews 13 and 5 says this, Let your conduct be without covetousness, wanting something else, wanting somebody else's stuff, having the desire to drive you to get something to fulfill your flesh or to, to fulfill your desires. Listen, it says here, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, this is God, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can have all the wealth, you can have all the great things, you can be the millionaire or whatever, but if you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have anything, you have emptiness, you have death, you have destruction, but when you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life, the contentment comes alive in your life to know that God owns, hallelujah, a thousand cows, uh, uh, cows on a thousand hills. God will bring provision to you by trusting and believing upon Him. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a promise. Look at this. It is a promise, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. This is the key to conquering covetousness. Contentment frees us from lusting for possessions. Because it's not about us, but it's about what Jesus Christ does in us and through us and causes us to be the Christian that we need to be, the disciple that we need to be, the servant that we need to be. It's not to seek everything else that's around us, but it's to seek Jesus Christ and Him crucified to know that He's the one that brings provision to me that causes me to be content. Paul was content because he was constantly or continually thankful. He was thanking God in the good times. He was thanking God in the bad times. 
It seems like we only thank God in the good times, but in the bad times, we get mad at Him. We want to shake our fist at Him and say, God, why did you allow this? Why did you allow this to happen? Why is this happening? We need to thank Him in the good times and in the bad times because godliness with contentment brings great gain. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, the Apostle Paul, he writes and he says, In everything give thanks. You say, well, pastor, you give thanks in the bad things? Yeah, you give thanks in the bad things. You mean, but, but you don't realize. Somebody stuck a, uh, 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 somebody just, you know, just uh, gossiped about, about me. Somebody just took a, took a dagger in my back and just, just lied and stabbed on me and, and just done all kinds of things. We still give God thanks because it doesn't matter the circumstance that's going on because God is in control because He brings great gain. Not you, not your neighbor, not your friends, but God brings great gain to you. So be content in all that you do. Listen, he says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ for you. God says give thanks. Think about this. God gave his one and only son, gave up his one and only son to die on a cross for you and I so that we could receive Jesus Christ into our hearts and life and that we could be content with what we have and not what we're, what we're craving for or what we're wanting. We can be satisfied because Christ has come. A thankful heart makes him content at all times. Philippians 4 and 11 says this. Not that I speak in regard to need. This is the Apostle Paul as he says. He says, not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned. I want you to look at this. I have learned. We have to learn. If we're not content, we have to learn to be content. Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, I have learned in whatever state that I am to be content. Why did he say be content in every state? Because he knew who he was serving. He knew that Jesus was in his life. This was a man that went against Jesus and persecuted the Christians and began to destroy them. But guess what? He, Paul, was struck on the road of Damascus. God struck him with blindness and got him on the right side and not the wrong side and began to work for God. And he says, I have learned to be content in any position that I am in because now it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And it's about Jesus in my heart now has made the change in my life. He says, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. In other words, 
I know in any circumstance that I'm in, whether I have plenty or I want, I still learn to be content. I may not have all I want. I may not have everything uh, that I need, but I'm still being content with what I do have because I know God will supply my needs. He says everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full, I've learned to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. In other words, it has not been a bed of roses, but guess what? Jesus hasn't forgotten. It may not be a bed of roses in your life, and you may be struggling, you may be dealing with things, but listen, know who's on your side. Jesus Christ is going to take care of his home because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, and God gives us the victory. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and now we can open up and say that God has the authority, and God is going to provide for his children. Give God praise in the house today. Hallelujah. It is not for us to walk around and act like we don't have the victory. We must hold our head up high, give the world a smile, and let them know who's in charge, and that is Jesus Christ. He's in charge, and He brings the victory because He's the victor in our hearts and in our lives. Bible lets us know that he's, his contentment was not based on what he had, the Apostle Paul. His contentment was not based on what he had. Because he clearly says, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. I've learned to be hungry, I've learned to be full, I've learned to suffer. But he says, but I know who my Redeemer is. I know who my Lord is. Christ made him content in all conditions just as Christ makes us content in all conditions in our life. Philippians 4 and 13, to some that's a favorite scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at this. I can do all things. You can do all things. The enemy is a liar to tell you you can't because you can. When he tells you you can't, you can say you can because I, you, can do all things not in yourself, not in your ability, not in your intellect, not in your own knowledge, but you can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. Christ will give you the strength. To make it through. Listen. Thankful people recognize. All things. We were born broke. And we will die the same way. Broke. Having food and clothing. We can be content. We have the food and clothing. But one day we won't need the food. Nor the clothing. 1 Timothy 6 and 7 says, For we bought, brought nothing into this world. Look at this. You brought nothing into this world. I brought nothing into this world. You came in naked as a baby. The doctor smacked your rear and you begin to cry. And you were brought into this world. 
For we brought nothing into this world, and, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You've heard the old saying, maybe from some sermons from other pastors, I've never seen a U-Haul being connected to a hearse going down the road. Because everything's going to be left here. Everything's going to be left here. Listen, we must understand that God says we are to be content in whatever state that we're in. Second, my second point today is this. Thankful people refuse to be ruled by what they don't have. Now, I want you to catch this. Thankful people, when you're thankful, you refuse to be ruled by what they don't have. Thankful people refuse to be ruled by what they don't have. Don't be ruled because I can't be like, like Johnny. Don't be ruled because I can't keep up with the Joneses. Don't be ruled because I can't keep up with my friends. Don't be ruled because well, I want what they've got. We are not to say what we want from others. It is for us to be content and let God bless you. Let God take care of you. Let God provide for you. Let God bring what he wants to bring to your life because he will bring great and mighty things into your life. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man what God has in store for those that love him. I want you to know today, God wants to open out the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Let God be God in your life. Begin to walk in faith and trust him and know God you will provide my needs and you will provide for my family. Give God praise in the house today. Hallelujah. Oh, I get loud, but I get excited. You won't go to sleep in my church. I'll promise you that. You'll stay wide awake. Listen, I want you to understand today, it is never for us to seek about of somebody else and what they have. God blesses them, praise God, let God bless them. God's going to bless them, great, let them be blessed, but God's going to bless you as well. God's going to take care. Well, pastor, you said, what, what about that million? What about that? Listen, that million that they may have may not be the million that you can handle. The other stuff that's going on around you, don't look at everybody else and what's going on. Do you understand? God will give you what you can handle. If you are good in the small things, God will bless you in the big things. But if you can't be a good steward in the small things and do what God has called you in the small things, He's not going to bless you in the big things because you can't handle it. Now listen, I'm not preaching on a prosperity message. I'm not into prosperity. I'm into the Word of God, what Jesus Christ has said for us. It is blessed more to give than to receive. And this is not about receiving, but it's about being a blessing and giving and being content with what you have to give to others. Because Jesus, in return, will bless you more than you can ever give. Listen. The desires to be rich will rule many people. This leads to being caught in the devil's trap if we're not careful. Longing to be, a, to be rich is a temptation and a snare. 
Listen, 1 Timothy 6 and 9 says this, and I want you to see this. This is God's word. This is not me. This is the word of God, and I want you to see this. But those who desire, look at this. But those who desire to be rich, look, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful, look at this, oh, it gets deeper, foolish and harmful lust which drown men into destruction and perdition. In other words, it brings their hearts right into the pit of hell. Now, I want you to look at this. Jesus didn't have a great condo. He was born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was in a smelly stable. There was no room for him, and he was in a stable, but he was not in a condo. He was not in a big old house. He didn't have diamonds and gold and pearls and all of that. He came into this world to show us, to let us know that we are to be content with what we have and be a blessing to help someone else along the way. You may say, well, Pastor, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, that's great. You're living from paycheck to paycheck. But I want to encourage you, give what's God's and give to those that are in need. And I promise you, Jesus said, not me saying it, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, and God will bless you in your efforts as you begin to give to others. You see, the love of money is the root of all evil. Let's look at this, 1 Timothy 6 and 10. For the love of money, I didn't say money was evil. Look at this. Some get mixed up with this. Some look at this, and and, uh, some pastors might mess this up, but I'm not going to mess this up. I want you to see this. yourself for the look at the word for the love of money I didn't say for the money I said for the love in other words if you let money rule you and you let money uh, dictate you and you let money control you for the it becomes the root of all kinds of evil Because you're putting money before you're putting God. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows when they begin to love the money, then guess what? It becomes evil because you let the money become your God. And when you let money become your God, it says not only will it bring you away from God, It will bring destruction to you and many kinds of evil will take place. And guess what? There will be many sorrows because God is letting you know that money is not the source. The love of money is not the source. What the source is, is guess what? Being content with godliness. Godliness is meaning being committed to God and saying, God, I know you're going to bring provision, so therefore I'm going to be content. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on you. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will be mounted up with wings of eagles. They will soar and not faint. That's the God that I serve. He will provide for you. Listen, 
the love of money will cost the rich young ruler his soul. Luke 18 and 23, but when he had heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Breaking free from the love of money uh, brought salvation even to Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector? Back then, tax collectors were robbers. They robbed from people. Gave a little bit here, gave a little bit there, but kept a lot of it. But here's the story. I want you to get this today. Luke 19 and 1. And then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. He was very rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was because Jesus was coming through the land. But could not because of the crowd for he was a short little statured man. And so he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, Jesus, could have looked at everybody else with all the thousands around, but he saw this one little man in a sycamore tree. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste, me, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. You talking about me, Jesus? Uh, 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 I, I just want to know who you are, but you, you really want to come to my house? I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained and said, He's going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? The one that rips people off, that claims to be the tax collector? And then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. I gave half of my good to the poor, and I have taken, uh, uh, taken anything from anyone by false accusations, and I restored fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, look at this, salvation has come to this house, because he, he is also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus come to seek his heart. He didn't come to seek what he had. He didn't come to seek of who he was. He came and sought his heart because he saw his heart and that's when he wanted to make haste to come down. That's when Jesus wanted to go to his house because he personally wanted to let him know that he loved him and he let him know, Zacchaeus, all that you've taken, all that you've done has not satisfied your soul. It has not saved you. But what I have that I bring to you, you're now going to be saved and it will bring you contentment and not everything else that's around you. And when he saw that, he clearly began to see what Jesus was saying to him. For he says, I have come because you're lost. Jesus found him. He let him know he was lost before he saw him. But when he saw him, he said, I have come to save that which is lost. Listen, chasing dreams of money and possession is costly. Many spend years in prison for trying to cash in unlawfully. Many lose their families and reputation in money chase. Are you ruled by things you crave but do not have? Third in my closing today, thankful people recognize God gives us 
all we have. Thankful people recognize God gives us all we have. 1 Timothy 6 and 6. Now godliness, the commitment that you have with God, with contentment, is great gain. Cash without Christ will cater only to carnality. Possessions without the Prince of Peace never satisfies. Listen to me. Possession without the Prince of Peace never satisfies. Contentment comes from knowing and serving, listen, knowing and serving Christ. Responding to His love in faith brings new life. Remembering we are but sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We are saved by grace, makes us thankful, and everything we have is from our loving Savior's hand. Because He reached way down. He reached way down. He reached way down for you and me. Because He's come to save that which is lost. James 1 and 17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow turning. He does not fail. He's not a God that fails. He is a God with an on-time God. He will provide for you. He will bring provision for you. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, I commit myself and I say, Lord, I am content with, me, with what I have. And Lord, I'm in your hands. Are you, contented, uh, are you a contented Christian? Do others recognize the reason for your peace? Are you always fussing because you don't have this, you don't have that? I need this, I need that, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. Your contentment can draw others to your Lord. Stand with me across the building, please. Your contentment. Your contentment can bring, can bring joy to others. Did you know that? I've always said, and I will say this again, I've visited third world countries. I've been on mission trips. And the places that I have gone, when I go there and I come back here, I realize that we live like kings and queens. We live like kings and queens. We have so much at our fingertips. Whatever we want or the desire of what we've got, or what we can do with it, we'll go out and buy it. And if we don't have the money, we'll put it on a credit card. And if we want it bad enough, we'll do whatever it takes to get what we want. Folks, I want you to know today that we need to be thankful with what we have and where we're at right now. It's not for us to put it on a credit card. It's not for us to put ourselves in debt. It's not for us to do this, do that, to try to bring contentment. Your contentment and my contentment is in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And there's no other way. For he says in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, hallelujah, except by me. There's no other way. There's no other way. You can't climb around it. You can't go over it. You've got to go through it. We have to go to the cross. Every one of us must stand at the foot of the cross to say that He is the way. He is the light. There's no other way to have Jesus Christ in our heart and life because He has come to save that which is lost. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray today.